Hey, welcome Real Stories Podcast listeners. Hey, listen, I wanted to talk real quick at the beginning here. You know, the mission of the Real Stories Podcast is just to really try to help contribute to the preservation of local history. Uh, we do this really with a ton of help from everyone who wants to tell stories, but also the the Harry Kinley photographs and the Thelma Marsh writings, the Ray Godfrey pictorial, Tom Hill's photo collection, like a bunch of newspaper stuff. We, you know, we get tons of help from the librarians at the library. So, you know, Real Stories does this with the help of everyone. And it's a community event. It is. Yeah. And so we thank you guys for that. Um, we understand the weight of these stories, you know, and we just really cherish getting, getting to publish them. So, our guest today has just absolutely humbled Brian and I. Um, yeah. Local boy, grew up here in the 1950s, played sports, and you know learned the value of a hard day's work, working at his family's gas station. You know he flew under the radar in high school, uh, which is a flew, skill. Yeah. Flew under the radar in Vietnam. And flew, yeah, you know, <laughs> flew under the radar in Vietnam. Uh, he's, you know, uh, uh, a chief warrant officer in Vietnam. Flew in over 700 missions uh, during the Vietnam conflict war, um, and you know, directed artillery strikes, transported troops and supplies into the canopy jungle, man, and helped evacuate wounded soldiers. This story that John admits isn't really his own story, but the story of his brothers in arms uh, and, you know, his family and his, his lovely wife and all that, that really makes this story just a, a great story. So we hope you stick with us. At the end of this episode, we are going to, uh, we have a couple readings, uh, some documents that we have of John's that come from Congress. And uh, we will read those at the end. Uh, Jordan's going to come in and help us. So we, we hope that we've helped tell John's real story in a way that pays homage to, you know, not only his, but his generation's sacrifices. Uh, so we hope that, you know, it, it inspires you guys to maybe keep listening. And we hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Everybody, welcome to our latest edition of Real Stories with Graham Bryan. Today, we are joined by a man who uh, is my neighbor and one of our good friends' dads, and just a, a great guy that we've known for a long time. Yeah, I don't think I'd stop there. I, I would go with a stand-up citizen in Upper Sandusky. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just a, a great dude. Humble stand-up citizen of Upper Sandusky. And, uh, you know, as I said in the intro, just a, a bunch of good stuff. So, um, anyway, John, thanks for coming on. Well, you're welcome. Uh, welcome. And I, I wonder who you were talking about when you given all the <laughs> I guess it was me. It's you. Uh, John got out of his car today, and the first thing he said to me was, I don't know what, you, uh, it's going to be boring compared to anybody else. I said, eh, I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, thanks for coming on. Um, Brian, you got, Brian's kind of got a, a plan for this one. So I'll let Brian lead on this one. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're going to start at the beginning, John. So uh Let's let's start at the beginning. And when I say that, tell me about your parents. What your mom, your dad, um, mom, your, mom's surname. Your dad's there. James, correct? Yeah, James Grafnauer Senior. Okay. And uh, my mom's name was Donna. Donna was she a Schoenberger? Uh, Shamball. Shamball. Okay. Yeah. Shamball was part. Uh, There's Schoenbergers mixed in. Yeah, her mom part. was a Schoenberger. Right. Yeah. Okay. And those, the Schoenbergers are like classic wine. Those are 
1840s Wyandotte County yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, and my, my dad uh, uh, was, went into World War II. He was a captain in the, in the Army. He was a captain? Yeah. He was uh, a captain in the Army. And, and, ed- educated uh, man? No, just high school. Okay. Yep. Okay. Did yep. he, was he a, a Kenton or? Forest. He, he lived forest. in Forest. Well, on, on a farm outside of Forest. Yep. Okay. Um, did he graduate high school? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I always wonder that, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't that long ago that it was 50, 50, especially yeah. with a war going on. Sure. That dudes just took off. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, uh, uh, they met and, um, uh, in high school and, uh, got married and, uh, out of high school a few years and, and then dad was, uh, was drafted and, and, uh, left mom here to, have one or two of us and then come home and then have another one of us. And, yeah. And, uh, but so you have uh, three brothers, right? Uh, right. Three, there was yep. four of us total. Four total. Okay. Yeah, and I was next to the oldest James, Rich, and Bruce. Right. And Jim Jr., myself, and then Richard, and then Bruce. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, and you got, where'd you guys grow up? Uh, here in Upper. Yeah. On, on, uh, we grew up on West Wyandotte Avenue. Okay. Down a uh, couple houses uh, east of uh, Dale Cortez's uh, golf station down there. Oh, on the, on yeah. the south side of, uh, of, of the street. Yes. Near where Jenny Romick used to live? Around yeah, in that area? A little bit closer to the, the end of the block. Okay. Way, All right. To the west. Right. About the fourth house, third or fourth house up. Okay. okay. Uh, and then we end up moving to South 8th Street. Yeah. Uh, in the late 50s. So that was, your family was living there before that, right? Was somebody from your family living? Where no. Dave? No? Okay. No. So that was you guys, the where Jody and Dave, Dave, Dave now. live now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, since we all started uh, the union building in grade school, we wanted to stay, even though we were only two doors from the east building, we wanted to stay with or the south classes. you're by the, the south. south yeah we want to stay with our classes or going to the east building yep so we rode our bikes to the east building uh <laughs> nice. all that time nice yeah <laughs> uh even in the winter even in the winter yeah. yeah nice oh that's so cool so then you you went to middle school at at union no or, no third he, grade oh. went through uh first second third grade at union okay and then uh fourth grade through the sixth at uh uh, east east yep and then back to union okay uh, union all the, all the, the rest way of it yep gotcha and, uh, until we were the first class to graduate from the new high school you back were then. Okay. okay what and year we moved out there and uh uh over the christmas holidays uh that would have been in the end of 62 because graduated in 63 okay you were the first class yeah ah that's cool yeah. who was the principal then how? <laughs> well, because they named, here's what I wonder, because they named Halp Drive after the principal yeah. of the high school, but I can't, I, I should just look through some yearbooks, but I wondered if he was the principal when they moved in, because that would seem weird to name the street yeah. after the current principal. So anyway, I mean, back then, you big know, daddy Halp, we didn't, uh, <laughs> as 
long as we didn't know the superintendent or the principal, they didn't know us. So. Oh, life, the good was, old days. Life was yeah. good if you didn't know life the. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, so you uh, before we we go any further though, so your dad, you you mentioned the golf station, but your dad ran owned so Ohio, right? Which is where the drive-in bank for Susan's drive-in is yep, now on that northeast side of. Right. Uh, of then, 7th and Sandusky. Then they moved down to where Walton, Doug Walton. Or, okay, so they were in both those spots. I wondered that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And had your dad, was your dad in the gas station? Like, had he worked for gas stations prior to that or no. just? He was a, he worked for a 7-Up company. He was a 7-Up distributor. Okay. For, uh, I don't know how many years, probably seven or eight years yeah slinging then, bottles glass bottles of seven and he up. actually started at the Ohio station where los arcos is now there was a Ohio station on that corner okay oh. all right and that's where he actually started and then and who owned who do you remember who owned that was that uh i i, I was just looking in the book graham the oh, uh, yeah. county historical it did say somebody's it, name it did yeah now uh, we can plug that, that in what on the cor- uh, corner yeah uh, that would have been right across from like Evergreens, right? Right. Yeah. I think it was Lobber. Maybe their last name was Lobber. Okay. That's not, not the one, not the name I was. I don't, I'm not sure. I remember seeing there. Okay. I can tell you with my handy so, dandy research skills here. So your, your dad owned this Ohio station mm-hmm. and that's where the first citizens bank drive through currently sits is right. where it started. Uh, about what year did he take that over? 1950s, mid fifties? Um, yeah, it, uh, 1965, station. he took it over in 1965. This station was opened August 1st, 1965. That's the one where Walton's is. Now. Okay. The, the All right. One. Mr. Graf Miller has been in the service station business for 15 years. So back to 1950. Okay. Previously at the Northeast corner of North 7th street and West Wyandotte. Right. Did he buy that station from somebody or that was built new. He, he built that? Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So then he he decided this better on Eighth Eighth and uh, Sandusky. Well, he needed or, more uh, room. Or Windot needed more room. Right. Okay. Do you? Can I? Did, did your dad ever talk about World War Two? No, uh, not really. He, uh, you know, he had a he had a German Browning. He brought back and uh, some. Uh, German paraphernalia yeah. that was captured and, and stuff, but he really never, never really talked about it. Uh, he knew combat was bad, and that, in fact, that's the only time I ever saw my dad cry was when uh, he and my uncle took me to Columbus Airport when I was flying to, to uh, California to go on to Vietnam. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so he knew what I was getting into. I had no clue. I thought I did. Anybody that knows they're going to a combat zone has an idea, but until you experience it, oh, and I, he had already experienced, so he he knew exactly what was yeah was ahead of me. I would have yeah. I have no idea. No. Uh, I did some research on your dad. I just just did some internet stalking, and he was in the 84th Infantry Division, mm-hmm. which was the, the rail, rail splitters, splitters. Right. and they were like. Some of the badass, yeah. most badass dudes that were there, yeah. uh, like freed some 
prisoner like right. some internment camps yeah. and uh yeah they they were involved in some real crazy stuff so your dad is he, a, he is did a, a lot of things uh, he, he went to uh see a lot of these army buddies at reunions uh yeah uh and i kind of followed suit with that i go as often as i can to uh, uh vietnam pilot uh uh Association yeah. has a yearly reunion that they move around the country. Okay. And I still get together with uh, four or five of the guys that I flew with while yeah. I was in Nam. But yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. So, no one else gets it. I mean, it, the, you, you have to be around some people that yeah. just for a while, maybe, I would imagine. So, all right. What else, Brian? Where are we going here? <laughs> I can see Brian looking at me like, all no, right, all right. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just taking it all in. I just don't want to get too far ahead. Um, okay. So you're in high school. Oh, no. He's off to Bowling Green, actually. He's, well, so look, we'll, we'll get there. You're oh, in, okay. You're in high school. Um, you work at the Ohio Station, I'm assuming, right? right? Yeah. So how did you get the name Croc? Cause it, cause your uh-huh. nickname is croc. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. And I've heard this story, so don't leave any detail out. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard the, the, the right story or whatever, I think I heard it from but you. it was uh Ruby croc mm-hmm. uh, was my dad's bookkeeper. And she worked in the back in the office and uh, Dennis croc worked there too. And, 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 and in all due respect to Dennis, he the car would come in. He would slowly walk out there instead of hopping to it. <laughs> yep. But anyway, um, he was an old, older man by that point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, so uh, whenever a car would come in, we'd all go crock and time get to head out there, get to the car, and so guys that would come into the station and didn't even work there, they would pick up on this. They would drive by, and if they had a traffic light or whatever, whenever they'd go by the station, you'd hear, crock! <laughs> they would yell. And <clears throat> Danny's mom, who was a bookkeeper, she'd come running out and said, who's calling me? And we said, nah, nobody going, going back in and, and crunch your numbers and stuff. And, and uh so that that was the basically the way we picked that up. So then once Deb and I met and she started dating, uh, we started dating, and she was coming home. Guys, she automatically picked up the nickname of Ruby, meaning Ruby Croc. So they called me Croc, and they called her Ruby. Yeah. And so today, and now we know the rest of the story. Right? Yeah. And it was. A, oh, it's because she has red hair. Mm. Oh, it's because yeah. Yep. And for a long time, people didn't know what her real name was. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. They just called her Ruby. Ruby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I've always known your name, but I also hardly ever hear anyone call you John. Just because yeah. I'm, when I'm around you, it's Croc. It's, yeah. it's always been Croc. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, when did you and Ruby meet? At BG. Oh, oh Brian's oh. stopping me. <laughs> Hold right. on. Yeah. Don't get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't want to go out of turn. Well, he mentioned her name in I know. the telling of the story. I so we'll I thought it would be a natural. <laughs> oh, we got a phone call coming in. That's all right. Nice. You can take it if you need to. Yeah, no, go ahead. no, okay. no, no. Okay. So we're at the Ohio Station. You, you're, let's see, you're in high school. We're at the Ohio Station. You've got, you're about to graduate high school, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, did you play any sports in high school? Yeah, I played uh, football. Okay. And I pole vaulted in track. Oh. oh. I played basketball until my freshman year, and then I thought, yeah, this isn't the way to go. <laughs> I couldn't get that little ball in that big yeah. hoop. Plus, plus <laughs> girls are more fun anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, so football and pole vault, though. So you were a good athlete. I mean, I not, not to toot your own horn, but I, how I high could you pole vault? I don't even remember. Probably back then, eight or nine foot. I okay, but you can pole vault. I mean, listen. There's no Paul it's Treadway. Good, it's good enough to make uh, varsity. Listen, pole vaulting, I don't care who you are. If you can get up and over, yeah. you're a decent athlete. Sure, yeah. That's a lot of upper body strength. <laughs> There's 80% of humans walking around this planet that if you handed in that pole and said, here, go. There's no way yeah, they would right. even get close. Yeah. So be lucky if they could hold on to it while well, it's when flexing. When we lived on Eighth Street, we dug a hole in the ground. I had a, a an old cane pole and I taped it, and that's what we practiced. Oh, with. nice. That's how my dad did it too. Yeah. And they would just go up over tree limbs. <clears> they'd find yeah. tree limbs and stuff to go up <laughs> over. Yeah, just crazy stuff. You didn't go to the local D1 sports athletic complex yeah. and uh, train with okay. the professional athletes? No. <laughs> am I am I off on the year? Did you play? No, 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 no. That must have been 1950. When did uh, Jack Hauser? That was 1950. Oh, he was, oh no. They were, it was an odd. Now. It was an even number, though. So that must have been 50. Because I was thinking if he was 60, then maybe you were on that team. But he's, if, he's if not even he's, way before that. It might have been 40 or something because yeah. he would be 90 in right. his 90s. So, yeah uh okay so high school football did you like were you in student council or were you no. like one of those type of guys drinking no. buddies really i between i always had a, a two paper routes one in the morning and one in the afternoon and uh uh so i did that before school and then when i was playing ball i just had the morning route yep and then uh the older uh, i got uh, I think when I was a freshman and stuff, I uh, worked at the filling station. I'd, yep. I'd go home after practice, grab a bite to eat, go up and work, and used to squeeze in a little studying. Yeah, but give your dad a break and, yeah, get up yeah. there. Yeah. Nice. So did you ever think that that's what you wanted to do, or was that kind of like going to be no, not Jim really. Jr.'s? You just, that, that wasn't in no. the cards? Yeah. No, I didn't know for sure. Where what I the hell you, go yeah. yet. Oh God, that's how I mean. That's I think how everybody is. Uh, okay, so are we allowed to go to Bowling Green now? Uh, moving to Bowling Green. Yeah, are you, you're out of high school. Nothing else you want to talk I, about with high school? No. Um, well, other than you know, uh, we went out to Philmont as is. Did as, you get for a scout camp? Yeah, we were okay. out there. Uh, tw I was out there twice with uh, different guys and and. Uh, had a uh, you know, you go out there with Robbie Lee, you're gonna you're gonna laugh all the way out. Was it, was he with you? Yeah, on the second one. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, yeah. he's younger than you. Though, I, I right? gotta tell you a little story about old Robbie. Oh, uh, good. We were Bring out it. there, Please and, do. and we were in the mountains, and and uh, we were coming down a path, and and there was an outhouse down there, and Robbie was in a hurry, and he was running. Robbie weighed quite a bit more when he was in school. Yeah. Uh, before he went into college, and but he was running down the hill, and when he got at the base, he slammed on the brakes and and hit the outhouse. Well, the outhouse went over. <laughs> was please tell me someone was in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
anyway. And there's uh, Robbie Lee standing there. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Robbie could not live that down for many, many years. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, it, it kept coming up and coming up, so. Yeah, you don't live that. I don't. I mean, I don't. No, I, I'm, I'm glad still we be got that. About that. I'm glad that we got that story in here because that's awesome. Any, that's any chance we get to work in a Robbie Lee story, we'll more than we're more <laughs> yeah, than happy we're doing it. He deserved yeah. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, we're gonna be back in a few minutes. Gonna take a quick break. Don't go away. So okay, we're we're done with high school. You decide that you're going to go to college. Obviously, it's 1963, right? Yep. Uh, probably not a good time to not continue your education. Was at the time was the was the was Vietnam looking like it was going to be a problem? Or? Yeah, it was. It was started already. Mm-hmm. It had already gone on for a few years before that, but it wasn't anything big. Right. It was more just specialty forces over there. Yeah. Uh, just to advise, advisory forces and stuff. Support the French or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I, I went up and went on campus. I, I, I hadn't registered for uh, for fall quarter. Back then, we're on quarters, and and uh, so I went up and jumped right into summer school and started out, knowing that I wouldn't be on campus in the fall. This is right out of graduate, right out of right high, out high school. school mm-hmm. Okay, and. Uh, so, and I knew I was going to have to go to a branch because I was going to have to work also. Okay. Oh, okay. To get, yeah. Uh, to help get through. What branch did Bowling Green have then? Uh, they had one in Faustoria. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, uh, okay. and then other times I would drive, if they didn't offer the courses, I would drive up to yeah. campus. And, okay. So this is fall quarter yeah. of yeah. 1963. You're, you're right. taking your first quarter of college, right? Well, I actually started in the summer. In the summer, or summer yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. What were but, you going, what did you, did you pick a major? Not at that point, yeah. no. I girls. was just doing the basic. Yep, looking uh, at girls and, and taking yeah. some classes. Yeah, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. Just trying to grow your yep. hair out, yeah. nice mustache. No, he had he had tight hair. I saw his high school pictures. <laughs> <laughs> he looked, you, you. Todd and Ryan both look like you, but I definitely, I saw one picture of you. I was like, oh man, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, definitely. Just That's the same. Yeah. I, I was looking and, through and some your pictures brother, today and saw Your one. brother, Jim Jr., I thought, really, I saw a picture of him where I, it just looked just like Ryan. Uh-huh. So Ryan's got a yeah. handsome way to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so so you went through your first quarter there at Bowling Green. Um, Actually, uh, Brian, I went through. Uh, I stayed in 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 a branch, mm-hmm. uh, but I got to know people. It's uh, on campus when I was taking some of the courses on campus. Sure, I worked pretty much worked part time and went to school part time for that first year. And that was back here at the gas station. You kept mm, working. Yes. Okay. And then and then I went up on campus. Uh, my second year. Okay. okay. So you worked all the way through, or you went all the way through the first year, summer right. break, uh, campus, second year. Okay. So, campus. Uh, okay. In a dorm or in a house? Uh, I was in the dorm uh, in the summer quarter. And then, uh, 
I was in a, uh, I had an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. Okay. Nice. Um, my second year, um, for a while. And then I got kicked out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yes. I, Do tell. I, it was because I wasn't supposed to cook in a room and I had a little hot plate because oh. I'd make some popcorn or yeah. grilled cheese Yeah. because I, I was on a very limited budget. Yeah. And, you're not going, yeah. Man, man gotta and eat. I needed the main part of that budget to go downtown on Thursdays. And so yeah. I yep. tried to save money by cooking and. I got warned, and I thought, well, I could get away with it yet, and I didn't, so I had to exit. And fortunately for me, but unfortunately for the the students that were involved, there there was a a couple guys who were in a car accident Hmm. uh, that were uh, pikes at at, at Bowling Green, and that's where my friends were brothers, and my brother was a, a brother there. And so they had an open room, and I, that was better than sleeping in the back of my 55 Chevy. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I ended up and I finished out the, uh, the yep. year there. Ah, cool. So, but, but you didn't join, you weren't a member of the fraternity? Not at that time yet. Okay. All so, right. okay. And end of spring quarter, your second year at Bowling Green. What'd you do that summer? Well, I was on campus. I, 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 I did uh, pledge the pikes then. And uh, the two two of the the guys that I started summer quarter with right out of high school, uh, very end up very close friends and everything. They were both brothers there, and uh, the one uh, his his father was a captain in the navy during World War II, and he was based in uh, Hawaii. He met his mother. My friend's mother was full-blooded Hawaiian. Well, they got together. They get, they were married, and and Dennis was with me at, at BG. His grandparents still lived in Hawaii, so he said, "Let's." After we spent the the fall quarter, he said, "Let's get out of here." My grandmother's got an apartment over her garage. She can get us a job in a pineapple factory, and. Uh, it, it'll be beautiful. Let's go out there for the winter. I said, oh, that sounds great. So yeah, we, winter in Ohio sucks. Let's yeah, go to Hawaii. So neither one of us, <laughs> neither one of us uh, enrolled for a winter quarter. And then all of a sudden I got this little notice in the mail and I was being drafted. Oh, wow. <laughs> and did, so you, did you even make it out to Hawaii? No. No uh, kidding. You, you, okay. I, you went to I, a different I, part I, of the Pacific. I, I, yeah. I, I immediately uh, told him, Dennis, I said, hey, you better get back in school because I just got a draft notice, and I, I'm done. And it was because you weren't <clears throat> signed up for they, classes. They yeah. let the draft board know. Sure. Uh-huh. And the draft board reclassifies you, and bingo, there, there I go. They reclassify you as a college dropout. Yeah. And they say, wow. what is this guy going to do now? Right. So, so I, I told him, you better get back in school, so... He was heading to the ad building, and, and I went over, and they said, well, no, you can't, we, can't, we can't get you in there, and you've already been reclassified. Well, he tried to get in. It was too late for him to get back into uh, that winter quarter. Yeah. And I think it was about two days later, he got his draft notice. Oh, wow. He said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I said, 
I think maybe I've never flown before. I think maybe I, I might want to do that. So I went and I took the aviation uh, exam with the, with the uh, Navy, which was also with the Marine and Navy were the same exam. Okay. Yeah. And those were pretty much almost all day exams. Yeah. And then I took the Air Force and passed it also. And then I took the Army. And the Army was a four-year uh, uh, tour. Yeah. And the Air Force and Navy Marines were all five-year. And I thought, well, I don't even know how I like to fly, so <laughs> I think I'll take the <laughs> four. <laughs> so, the, this is, so are these written exams? Oh, that's all kinds of. It's just all kinds of. Cognitive tests. and Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sight pictures, and they, they teach you stuff, and then see how much you comprehend gotcha. in the exam and and uh it, it's yeah all kinds and, of and testing so. how good you are under pressure probably at right. some level and how oh, would you do this yeah so so when you said you got your draft notice were you did that mean you were you had been drafted yeah so you had to decide which branch you wanted to well, go into it, or well the thing uh, the thing is at that point you could you go through with your draft and you had a two-year obligation or you can enlist oh yeah and uh, if you enlisted, <laughs> then you had a little more leverage uh, choice of what direction you might want to go. Yeah. Yep. Well, it would still be a two two year enlistment, but in my case, it was going to be a four year. Well, then after all that and deciding I wanted to do the the Army aviation, I had to go in front of a flight evaluation board, which were commanding officers and stuff, and I had to pass a flight physical. And then uh, if I passed the flight physical, then I had to go in front of the flight evaluation board. So I went in there and they started to ask me all kinds of questions and this and that. And I remember a colonel asked me, he said, uh, Mr. Grafmeller, why would do you think you want to be a, 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 a aviator, Army aviator, when you know for sure you're going to spend at least one tour and most likely two tours in Vietnam? And I had to think about that for a while, and it kind of caught me off guard with that. And I just said, well, John Wayne did it, and so I think if he did it, it looked like it was exciting, I'm going to do it. And those guys, they all looked at each other and started laughing. Said, you'll do just fine. That's so, what we need. Get this kid something green. Yeah. So I passed through the board. Man, that's crazy. So then, so you became a pilot, and then you go to pilot school to actually learn how to fly. Yeah, I had to go through. Uh, What's that? Is that Fort was Carson? it like? What, what are you had, talking like? You go through that test, and then the next day you're going. Or had you, you been, had you been to boot yet? No, I had okay. to go to Fort Polk, Louisiana, for uh, boot camp for Oof. twelve weeks. But that was nice and warm. Yeah, that was <laughs> neat down there. <laughs> and from there, I went to uh, Fort Walters in Mineral Wells, Texas, which is a little ways uh, west of Fort Worth. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Out, Tom, out in Todd's neck of the woods. Spent, uh, I don't know, five or six months there. You're, you're going through officer's candidate school and uh, aviation school at the same time. Gotcha. Because all pilots are officers. Yeah. Yeah. I know, so, I know some stuff. Well, and that's why, yeah, that's why I asked earlier. You, I've seen you said your dad. Gun. You said your dad was a captain. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if, yeah. if yeah. that was a enlisted man. So then you, you, when you graduate from there and then, those are all training aircraft, and uh, then you move up to 
uh, Hueys and, and the aircraft you're going to fly in combat. And that was a transfer you to Fort Rucker, Alabama. Okay. And that's where you finish up and you're given, uh, uh, you get your commission first on your rank and then your wings. At a, do you, do <clears throat> you remember the first time you like pulled back on an actual live? Did you fly Hueys? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you remember that first time when you're like, okay, well, I guess they're gonna let me. They're gonna let well, me this in. Was, <laughs> this was back in a TH fifty five trainer, which is a little bubble, oh, like a mash. Had a, had oh a, yeah. It run off eleven fan belts. <laughs> okay. Really? And yeah, and if you flew over seventy knots, the bubble window would cave in, and you'd have to slow down and push it back out. <laughs> If you hit a bird, you'd oh. be, you would be spitting feathers because it would come right through. <laughs> and uh, when you first go out, you go out with instructors. You have a cyclic between your leg. You got a collective that uh, changes the, the uh, pitch of the blade. That, and that goes, takes you up and down. You, and you've got a throttle on the collective that you, you have to turn to adjust your, your uh, engine speed. And yep. then you've got two pedals that take the, for the anti-torque in the, in the back, uh, uh, the blade in the rear of the, uh, on gotcha. the tail boom. Yeah. So it, anytime you make one adjustment, you have to make, uh, do one thing, you have to adjust everything. Yeah. Well, they take you out and there's about f- four football fields out in the middle of Texas, someplace in the stage brush. <laughs> there's way more than four football fields <laughs> in the middle of Texas. And you'll see, helicopters at different areas and they're going up back spinning up down sideways and you start learning with one thing at a time yeah and and then uh after about 10 hours you're ready to solo really yeah but the first day you go out and i thought there it is i'm a dead man the first day (laughs) first flight yeah they take you up and you're flying around they're just talking to you and all of a sudden the engine Sounds like it quits. It just, and, that's, and they're like, take it to you. And they chop the engine and then they set themselves up for what to call an auto rotation. And then they do a power recovery about, about 50 feet off the ground. <laughs> it says, you'll be doing that every time you're with an instructor, you'll be practicing that, setting yourself up and doing that. Practice, do they, practicing wrecking. Right. Do they, they do wrecking. that just to keep you... Like well, no, because or? it's 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 a critical thing. The army, and I don't know what it is now, but at that time, the army was the only uh, branch of the service that did would do auto rotations all the way to the ground. In other words, no uh, no power. You'd have an engine. You could do a power recovery, but they wanted you to practice, and you could only do that with an instructor. Is if they if they chopped the engine. Is you have you take it to the ground, and what what it does is you take the pitch out and everything else, and it gives the the rotor will keep spinning because it's on a freewheeling clutch. Yep. But the most critical t- time is you got to find a, a somewhat of a clearing or some trees that you want to crash in. <laughs> but some nice soft trees. You want to? Wanna crash. Be, oh my God. You wanna, <laughs> we can't send our kids to school and it's raining hard. You want to? <laughs> You want to set the aircraft up so you're going into the wind and you want to be, by the time you get down to the critical maneuvers, you want to be only with about a 40 knot forward speed. 
And once you pass through the, the last hundred feet, you get ready and then you start pulling in your, your uh, collective to get more rotor speed, but you can't redline it, but you get more rotor speed and then you start to flare. Oh, and then when you lose your forward airspeed, you roll the nose over and as you come down, you pull all the collective you can, all the pitch, and you sh you're not supposed to have over a two and a half length run, the length of the aircraft run once you touch down. And yeah. <laughs> you actually practice that. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so you're setting it down. Oh, man. Just, that's just, awesome. I, just it's like, scary. And yeah, it, I bet it is. It's scary. <laughs> I bet it is. And it's scary you're, for the instructors. It's con <laughs> <laughs> controlled chaos. Man, yeah. that's, and, that's, that's, that's And if you hit a rock or something in Texas and it, and it sparks, <laughs> you could start a forest fire. fire. <laughs> or, yeah. uh, brush fire. Brush fire. Yeah. yeah. Because you got rotor wash coming down. Yeah, and, and a spark. The good news is you'll see it for miles because there's not much out there. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So man, so you So you're you're you hurry up and set it down, you grab the fire extinguishers, you jump out. Look around, see what's out there. Try to get it out. Yeah. yeah. So so done with boot camp and then you you learn to fly a helicopter. Mm -hmm. How how what how many weeks were you just learning to fly a helicopter? uh probably nine months or so okay okay oh. so it's a good amount of it's not they're not but throwing that, you but that doesn't else. count towards your time in country either right like your tour no yeah no not at all yep, so, that's just uh, getting ready that's not yeah. that's yep. the not getting shot at part of yeah, being yeah. In the Army. nine months honestly makes me feel better about it like that that's yeah i want to tell you you they, can learn you can learn something in nine sure. months not i can't i don't know that i could learn to do that thing you just explained <laughs> but if you're young and you talk to you talk to the, the army aviators over there. I I never heard one that didn't agree. We were the best train that you could do, and for what we were getting into, uh, they they did everything. They taught us right. They yeah, taught you, yeah, and they and you were really really well trained. They taught yeah. you what you and, needed and, to know and what to expect, and it was pretty much. Like everything is like they said. Yeah. The only difference was is when you practice in the U.S. and you, they're shooting blanks at you, you just look at them. But when you <laughs> practice in Nam, it's not practice anymore. <laughs> when you see flashes and hear the thuds, you know they're not blanks anymore. So you had so you're you you graduate from flight school. Mm -hmm. You've got a. Are, you're a pilot, and is there a co-pilot? Is there two pilots? Mm -hmm. how, how, is that the terminology? Yeah. Left oh. seat was always the aircraft commander, and right seat is a co-pilot. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then you've got a gunner in the back? Well, not in flight school. You didn't right. have any of that, but yeah. But, but typically, like, when you get... You'd have two, you have two door gunners, uh, one on each side, and okay. one, one of the door gunners is also the crew chief. He's, okay. assigned, <clears throat> he's assigned to the aircraft. Mm-hmm. And normally the, the aircraft commander's assigned to it. And then the co-pilot and the gunner, the other gunner, rotate uh, different ships. It depends on whatever their assignment is. So yeah. crew chief is essentially ready or responsible for getting the bird ready to go, essentially. Right. And they, they, they do an extensive pre-flight and, yeah. and post-flight. And then the uh, aircraft commander is responsible for doing a walk around uh, pre-flight and mm. post-flight. Yeah. And, and taking care of the logbooks. Okay. Yeah. 
But you come you were mostly you were piloting. You were the you were the commander. When yeah, you I over, was. You were a chief warrant officer. Yeah. What's that? That's what, a, that's after after you your first year. Oh, okay. And everything, and then you become a a, a chief warrant officer. First year, you're a, a warrant officer. Gotcha. And that just means pilot. Yeah. That's the, they could just say you're a helicopter yeah. pilot. The, the the way that works is if if you're a, a warrant officer aviator you, you can't do anything you they can't have you do anything else but fly nice that's uh, yeah that's all it's like we wanted to job. do yeah oh, if you were a lieutenant first lieutenant second lieutenant or any other commission <clears throat> officer you had other job responsibilities and flying you sometimes they 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 could only only have minimum flight time just to stay current, even oh, okay. in a, even in a combat zone. Although that didn't happen frequently because they were so uh, such dire need for pilots. Yeah, but it, it did happen, though. Uh, yeah, because yeah, somebody they had to be responsible for other duties other than, than flying. So. Right. Yeah, and like you said, it was a helicopter war. So I mean the hell yeah. you you guys were valuable valuable resources. Everything over there was done by by pretty much by a helicopter. Now you did have ground convoys and stuff, but that's helicopters were flying air support. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you were every, every day you were flying. Yeah. Sometimes sixteen hours a day. <laughs> sometimes uh, you know almost always eight ten hours anyway a minimum. Yeah. But. uh you know, I spent a Thanksgiving once, and I had two cups of coffee in the morning in operations. Flew 16 hours that day, and I had a piece of Spam from World War II sea ration. Oh, my gosh. On a crusty piece of bread I got from a Green Beret. And uh, <laughs> my co-pilot had the other piece of crust and the other piece of Spam, and that was our Thanksgiving. Wow. I bet you haven't looked at a turkey the same way ever since, have yeah. you? <laughs> turkey was primary. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Yeah. So, so the Army says you're ready to fly, and, uh, and they're ready to ship you out. They get you to where, – where did you ship out of stateside? Uh, Fort Ord, uh, California. Okay. Seven, seven or eight days closer to – it was – I don't think it was even a week. I left Fort Rucker – and went, came back here home, and uh, I was in Fort Ord uh, to catch a flight to Vietnam seven days later. Okay, and then you end up in <clears throat> Vietnam, you land... I went over there unassigned, and yeah, I flew into Saigon uh, right during the Tet Offensive all oh. times ago. Everything's <laughs> blowing up. And oh my gosh, else. welcome and, to Vietnam. Is that yeah, January, yeah. February, uh, is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, uh, I remember I got in there and I thought, oh, this is going to be a long year. <laughs> and uh, I got my, I was over on a sign and, they, and then he, they said, here's your orders. And I got in the back of a deuce and a half uh, mm. military truck with a couple other guys. And they took us out the flight line and the rockets and mortars were blowing up. We went out there and I thought, really? We're going to fly out of here in this? <laughs> and I had a C-130 out there and I said, get on board. And we're dragging duffel bags and our gear and got on board and we landed, uh, I think three other, three or four other, uh, bases on the way up to where I was going. And all of them were being rocketed and mortared and they, 
and the Air Force uh, pilots and uh, crews said, we're going to slow down. We're going to throw your gear out. And you just jump and tumble. Wow. And that's, that's, wait, wait, that's, that's, an a, C, that's a C-130? Yeah, off you, the back end. You jumped, oh, my gosh. You jumped and tumbled out of a C-130. Into Vietnam. On the ground. <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and a... not even knowing at night, not even knowing where I'm at. <laughs> Hope, I hoping I they got you on the and, right base. I mean, do you? I don't. I, we don't want you to talk about anything you don't want to. But do you remember that moment of like? Then you roll, and then then you're just looking around, uh, wondering. Well, yeah, where to go. Thought, oh shit! I'm here. I, I'm in the central highlands. I, that's all I knew. And it's pitch black, and except for stuff that was blowing up around. And all of a sudden, there was a jeep. And I thought. <laughs> I got to get up or he's going to run over me because yeah. everything's dark. Yep. And uh, throw your gear on. I threw my gear on. And they took me to a bunker, sat in that for a couple hours. And then next day, they already issued me my, my, uh, my gear and my uh, AR-15 and AR-16 and my uh, sidearm and flak jacket and chicken plate. and. Wait, what's a chicken plate? It's a piece of armor that, okay that flips over you and you oh yeah that's okay them. that's chicken plate yeah, i know what you yeah mean. we call them chicken plates but yeah yeah it's body armor body armor and then you have a flak jacket that goes over that because if rounds hit it it'll it'll it could chip it or it, the round could hit and come up and that flak jacket will stop oh okay you know slow it down or stop any any metal or anything that breaks off of that chicken plate. Yeah. And then you got an armored seat that pulls up on both sides of you, but you're fully exposed, exposed to the chin bubble and, and the whole front of the aircraft. Yeah. And you use your sidearm for <laughs> protecting yeah. yourself. Yeah. And sometimes guys would come in with that in pieces. Sidearm? Yeah. Because yeah. it had been. from Yeah. But oh, wow. they were still. Yep. Yeah. Able. So, okay. So, and again, you'd stop us whenever you want. But so then, uh, so then what from that is that then you where you were kind of stationed out of? Yeah. Or, I was play coup Vietnam. It, we were in uh, Camp Inari, And probably about seven mile away was play coup Air Force Base. And in between that was play coup City. And, uh, um, we're at, at, at sea level up there, or not sea level, ground level was somewhere in a 5,000 foot range. So we were up Okay, in, wow. And then we still had to fly in the mountains. But it was all, most of it was all triple canopy jungle. You couldn't see down, yeah. and if you could see down, it just got dark before oh, you could see the gosh. ground. Yeah, yeah. And it was rugged, very, very rugged terrain. Yeah little different than northwest ohio yeah <laughs> different than flying on the rice paddies down in, in saigon and stuff too oh yeah, yeah right oh my gosh that was all flat ground and water and dikes and stuff down there yeah did you did you end up doing were you stationed down south there at all no i no. feel the thing is you wherever you got your experience there that's, that's where, where they, they want you oh yeah our area operation was uh besides cambodia laos border area it probably ran 70 miles, well, 100 miles south and another 70 miles or so north. And Yeah, you're looks like, I mean, just looking at the map here, it looks like you're about 
20, maybe 50 miles from the Cambodia border. And, yeah, and that's, I don't know if it was that far. Well, right about it wasn't time-wise. It was we right there. Yeah. yeah, 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 30 miles maybe. But yeah. all of it's kind of all we, right there. You know, we, we worked. What, what, what the 4th Division, their mission was, is we, they would put fire bases on top of these mountains so far distance all along the border. And they'd have artillery pieces. Mm-hmm. And then they would send out recon patrols and stuff or listening posts. And artillery would be directed by them or by us or by Air Force FAC, uh, four deservers and little Piper Cubs. And then you had special forces camps at key areas also along the border that we supported. Uh, so. Uh, you know, it's all about trying to stop interdiction from the NVA coming down, resupplying. Because we recognize that there's a border there, but the, the NVA did not. No. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk real quick here about this piece that you brought into the studio today, John, if you don't mind. Oh, what, yeah. And I'll put a picture of this on our Facebook page. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what, – what did you call this? It's, no? a, it's called a blood chip. Blood chip. Okay. So, so basically what I'm unfolding right now is a, it's almost like a silk. Is it, it is. I don't know what yeah. Like a cloth. Yeah. yeah like a like... linen or a thick linen. It says it's, it's got a picture of the flag and then there's, I don't know, 10 or 12 other languages on it. It says, I am a citizen of the United States of America. I do not speak your language. Misfortune forces me to seek your assistance in obtaining food, shelter, and protection. Please take me to someone who will provide for my safety and see that I am returned to my people my government will reward you. <laughs> Got that tucked away in your pocket, right? Yeah, just in case. <laughs> yeah. The whole and it's in Brian reads us some of the languages. Uh, it, it's it, you just read that in English, but then it's in it's a in, dozen languages. Yeah, Chinese, Tagalog, uh, Visayan, French, Dutch. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty interesting, really. Yeah, Cambodian, yeah, yeah, the, Laos, Laotian, and Cambodian, Vietnamese, and yeah, Malaysian. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, each crew member carried that, uh, and especially if you were doing cross-border work sure. at that time yeah. because there wasn't anybody to, good to help you. Yeah, <laughs> right. You, could, yeah. you had to rely on who you could rely yeah. on, I guess. Yeah. You know, in the military, war is a terrible, terrible thing. Well, but yeah. it's the camaraderie, the brotherhood. Mm-hmm and the teamwork and you always rely on the guys around agreed i think it's the beauty of it and you always knew as a as an aviator even if it was didn't matter uh, we pulled jet jocks out we pulled uh anybody and everybody out but if an aviator went down everybody quit doing what they were doing and that's where your focus was get that guy getting that crew out yeah if at all possible and sometimes it didn't work right away. Sometimes it might be the next day or whatever, and sometimes it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you always you always knew that somebody was coming for you if if you were down. Yeah, yep. And uh, so that's you know that's yeah. security you had. Yeah, find a safe spot and listen for the Huey. Yeah. You know that hopefully is pulling in. So, okay. So, so, and again, stop us whenever, but so you're mostly running missions like 
like you said, it's a helicopter war. So you're just, you're, you're running supplies in or you're running men in or you're doing medvac or as a medvac. It did, whole- it, it did a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, yeah. Our, our main mission mission was to, um, combat assaults is get troops where they needed to be Yep, and support them with, uh, whatever firepower yeah yeah whatever and evacuate uh medevac sometimes we couldn't do it we had to have a dust off because of triple jungle you had to have a jungle penetrator get down through the trees to get them out we didn't carry that okay yeah and we were always armed they weren't uh which okay was highly dangerous yeah and uh sometimes uh, the enemy would let them pull people up and waited till they wouldn't shoot them down until they brought oh, people yeah. up. Till they were full. Then knock them wow. out. Yeah. And then we'd try to get even more up there. But anyway, uh, we did combat assaults. That was our, our main uh, job. Rearming, uh, no matter what, if they were under assault and being overrun or whatever they needed ammo we did medevacs uh we uh supplied them with more food yeah whatever they needed. whatever you you were and, and the... I, I always knew when it was sunday you don't you don't you know what the date is because you logged your log books all the time but you didn't know what day it was yeah but you always knew it was sunday because there was chaplains around looking for a ride Okay. Out, out to a fire yeah. base, see the troops. Yep. Uh, have a church for them. So, man. Uh, and and uh, so that's the way, you know, it, yeah. it, it was there. Uh, you just flew every day. And I, I don't think I had a day off for my first two and a half months or so. Yeah. And that was just constant flying. Right. Sleeping when you could. And uh, you'd get attacked at nights. A lot of time with rocket and mortar. You'd be in a bunker for a couple hours and back to bed. You always had to know and, and when there's firepower going out compared to what it sounded like with <laughs> firepower coming, coming in, in yep. incoming and outgoing. Oh, man, I couldn't. I mean, <clears throat> I, super honored that you're telling us these stories like this. What amazing. It's just an amazing. It's, cra- it's crazy. That people were doing this, and you were one of a thousand, a few, couple thousand probably guys that are running those yeah. missions. Yeah, all yeah. over the country for ten years. It was logistics. Yeah. It, it was the. It was really the only way to get things yeah. in and out to of that country. Out, yeah, oh right. Yeah. 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 So and, so okay, you did that for about a year, right? Or, or you you said you did you flew your first mission for a year, or your first uh, uh, assignment was for a year? Uh, no, your first. Uh, yeah, your your. First tour. Uh, tour was a twelve month tour. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, so at that point, tour and then back back home or back. Yeah, they, okay. yeah, you would be rotated back home, and since they needed all the pilots they could, and what usually would happen is they'd bring you back home, transition you into a a, a newer or different aircraft, mm-hmm. and send you back over. Yep. So you'd be flying a bigger helicopter, or probably, a or... different type of uh, yeah because they were probably developing new technologies well, there was and, cobras and there was a models b models c mm. models h models and, and airwolf uh, uh chinooks twin engine uh-huh. heavy lift ships and stuff yeah and, uh, so you know if you didn't 
if you didn't want to transition to another aircraft, you would help instruct new pilots, and then they'd send you back okay. after yeah. usually a year, and then they'd send you back over again okay. for another tour. So that's what you did? You came back? No. You you didn't come back? <clears throat> no, I didn't come back because I didn't want to come back and get used to Civilian stateside life. living again. Yeah, okay. And then have to know what I had to go back to. I get it. And so yep. I just, you could take six-month extensions and just stay there. Well, I took... Uh, three of those, actually two of those, and two and a half. Okay. Those. So I stayed over there for another year and a half, almost. Okay. So two and a half after, years after my two and a half years in, in country. Right. After okay. your tour, so I spent another year and a and, and a half. I got you. Yeah. So, two, so you were in Vietnam two, what, from seventy. I spent my twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth birthday in Vietnam. Okay. So sixty eight to seventy. <laughs> right. So okay, so then yeah, let's let's come back stateside. Oh, actually, I love that story. So, how do you get? T- tell us about how you end up out of Vietnam. Yeah, that forty-eight yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, what's the uh, most confusing twenty-four hours you've ever had? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you'd you'd re-enlisted or right. you'd you'd extended several times. Right. Okay. And then uh, they finally, I. My last extension, you were only allowed to be uh, uh, supposed to be over there for no longer than uh, two years uh, on extensions. Okay. And so I had, that would be two six-month extensions, and I would have my two years in. Well, nobody said anything, and so I just kept flying. <laughs> and I think I got into my fourth month, and uh, we were finally politically going to go into Cambodia and Laos. Oh, okay. Big combat assault. Yeah. Big, huge. And I said, ah, oh, I've been here for two <laughs> years and I've been doing this. And, and they knew it. And so a lot of my experience was over there. So I was one of the flight leads. Into Cambodia. Into Cambodia. Yeah. And uh, I thought, wow, it's finally we're going to be doing this legally. Uh, and so. I was uh, I was hyped up about finally being able to do that. Yeah, and uh, so I was in the middle of a combat mission uh, into Cambodia, and I suddenly I got this radio call from uh, base command and said, "Want to know where I was at?" And I told him I was flying assault in uh, Cambodia. They said, get back. They gave me the Contum uh, staging area, which was a special forces staging area. We're sending a, a Queen Beach out there to pick you up and, and bring in another pilot. You are going home right now. <laughs> no <laughs> arguments. And, and they weren't happy about it. So <laughs> yeah. they brought the plane, landed out there, and a the pilot jumped out. And I jumped on board, and they flew me back to... Uh, in the Trang and, and uh, on the coast and had all my whole baggage, all my 201 file, everything was all set for me to go and put me on a helicopter and flew me down to Cameron Bay and then moved me to the head of the line down there because usually you spend a day or two just waiting waiting to catch your ordered flight. They put me on a, a flight to the States and we landed in Japan and then Anchorage and then Seattle, and 
I had steak and eggs for breakfast. It was Sunday morning, and an hour or so later, I was went through my uh, flight uh, with a flight surgeon uh, and DRO, uh, all my paperwork and everything. I was a civilian. Wow. And uh, So you woke up that morning and went on a combat mission uh, and got, or got a radio <laughs> call, end up back at the base and essentially within that day, but I don't know how that would work. I'm trying to think of how the rotation works, but you coming back against it. And then that next morning, basically you're eating steak and eggs and you're a, you're a civilian in Seattle. In Seattle. In Seattle. Looking around at him. (laughs) Yeah. What am I going to do now? Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Wow. Drinking a good cup of coffee for the first time in two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like I told you guys, I, I did have a couple other, uh, pilots that knew I was coming back and, and they, they had a, a all glass home rented in San Mateo and asked me to join them. And I thought, yep. <laughs> what Real, real quick here. And I, I, it may be, I may just be not literal enough, but what is an all glass home? It literally was all, it just was, a except house for the frame. It was all glass overlooking, sitting on the side of a rolling hill there. No kidding overlooking uh san mateo and and over towards san francisco that sounds lovely yeah it mm. was oh, very nice yeah that's and so i you know i lived with them for uh, a couple months and then we all decided it was time to move on with our lives and uh disbanded and everybody went their own direction i'd promised myself when i went in that i would the the military offered me to stay in and finish my education, they would pay for it and everything obligate me for another two years, I think it was. Transitioned me to whatever I want to do, whichever aircraft, whatever route I wanted to go. But I said, you know, I, I promised myself when I went in that I would come back to Bowling Green and finish my education, my two years. And I would not let anything distract me from that. So thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, a couple of my my friends went that route mm-hmm. and made a career up until they were majors, I think, or, or colonels. And, uh, but they, they stayed in, finished up their education, went that route. Yeah. But I went back to BG and, and uh, that's where I met my lovely wife. Oh, okay. So, man, so I, yeah. I was trying to jump way ahead. To yeah, that, like I know yeah. how this all was going to go. There's, let's uh, yeah, okay. So you back to Bowling Green, and Ruby was a student. At, she was yeah. also went to Bowling yeah, Green. So, a beautiful young co-ed. Yeah, so she's, uh, her best friend was uh, uh, Karen Basin, uh, was from her high school. Which and, was? Uh, up in, uh, Cleveland. Uh, she was Parma. From Parma. Parma, okay. okay. Uh, Deb Litzver? Likvar. Likvar. Deb she, Likvar. She Polish? Uh, Orthodox. Russian Orthodox. Okay. Uh, oh, jewelry salesman. Uh, <laughs> 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 we call her Polish. We call her everything. But she was. Uh, she's a she fan. What a woman. The pierogi like, princess. What a great lady. Yeah. She's a great person. <laughs> she's oh, a pierogi, yeah. She's a pierogi woman. She's a pierogi princess. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway. Uh, so we started dating, and, and uh, one of my close friends, Brad Slimmer, uh, dated her best friend. Okay. So that's how we all got together and everything. But was it, was it like, I don't know, yeah, 
was it love at first sight type? Like you met her and you were like, oh, this girl. And then you were on it. I, or I, She'll probably kill me for telling this. <laughs> I met her in a bar downtown and I was on my way to the, uh, to the restroom and I saw her and I said, oh, hey, sweet thing. Uh, can I buy you a drink? She just looked at me and I thought well, that probably means no. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next time I went by her, I said, hey, I'll still buy you a drink. No, she said, no, thanks. Nice. So the third time I went by her, um, she said, well, yeah, I'll have one. Well, I found out later it's because she was out of money. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, it doesn't matter why. Right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, that was the beginning. And uh, we dated. And, uh, well, we dated for six years. But she graduated okay. and actually graduated before I did. And then she went on to teach school in Berea. Oh, I didn't know that. What'd she teach? Uh, uh, fourth grade, maybe. So you and Ruby are dating. She's a teacher in fourth grade or something up in Berea. Berea and uh, you go up there and you get a job up there working for the helicopter company. Titan Helicopter Corporation out of uh, Lost Nation Airport, west of or east of uh, Cleveland. And okay. I lived in Willoughby. And, and, uh, is, that, is that Burke now? <clears throat> no. Okay. It's further way out. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. All right. And uh, what'd you, and exactly what'd you do for the helicopter? What'd you do for Titan Helicopter? Well, I I would uh, fly to different locations and and do bid work for overhead uh, air conditioning and roof jobs, uh, heavy lift. Okay. And also wire patrol, uh, like for uh, AEP or pipeline. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, do the kind of bid work and um and then uh we lost a lost an aircraft finished up a job i think it was on a ge plant or something up in uh, pittsburgh and and uh i had a crash in the in the mahunga yeah the mahunga mahalia river yeah yeah uh had a wire strike and a crash lost an aircraft and, and a crew member and that, that took the company under. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Uh, so then I uh, uh, wanted to use my marketing and aviation background. And uh, so I did some uh, corporate interviews, did some ride-alongs, and you might fly for an hour or two and then sit in a pilot lounge for four or five or many hours. And, and uh, I thought that's not the, really the way I wanted to go. And I felt like I'd burn up my nine lives and flying. And, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. And uh, in the military, so I thought, well, you know, now's probably the time to get out of the aviation and okay, yeah, just go with the uh, marketing and sales. Okay, Cor- corporate flying was probably a, a lot more mm-hmm. distilled version of what you were used to, anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, it, you felt more like a bus driver or a van driver. Gotcha. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so now you've got, so, so you have this magical proposal where you ask Ruby to marry you and you guys get married. Where'd you get, did you get married in Cleveland? No, we got married in chapel at Bowling Green. Oh yeah. Okay. 76, and, 1976. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a little, uh, wedding and just immediate family. And, uh, and, uh, we got decided that's where we wanted to go. She was Russian Orthodox. I was Lutheran. Uh, didn't really want to do the ceremonial 
long haul mm-hmm. wedding at uh, Orthodox. And so we wanted to keep both families happy. So yep. we decided to do it at the chapel and okay. and uh, try to get both ministers in, in, involved, the priest uh, from Orthodox and, and uh, my minister, the Lutheran minister. And uh, uh, so we end up getting married. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then we relocated to Upper, and and uh, okay, uh, Deb ended up teaching ninth grade general math. Oh wow! And or listen, math. I don't know. If I'm going to say math, this again. I said this earlier, but uh, <laughs> if Deb was my ninth grade math 25 teacher, twenty five year old Deb, I I might be able to help my. 12 year old do his math homework today <laughs> had deb graf miller been my ninth grade math teacher you would have paid closer attention i would have paid a saying. little bit yeah. better attention in 1976 deb graf miller at 25 yeah uh okay well, sorry go. deb i know you prior listening <laughs> sorry she uh, she gave up on this, so, this session a long I, time I, ago <laughs> i had no idea though that deb was a teacher how did she get into real estate well after she made Brad Batten a model uh, uh, student, <laughs> she decided she her work was complete. And uh, I told her, she felt like she was more, there was more for her to do. Yeah, yep. And uh, so I said, well, why don't you get into real estate? So she decided uh, yeah, she'd try that. She got into real estate. And then uh, uh, she decided to get into appraisal work. And then she got certified. Uh, on top of general appraisal uh, or regular uh, uh, appraisal work to certified appraisal where she could do commercial properties and yeah. stuff. And so she went that route. I went to work for Valley Farm Foods and then they were bought out by Gordon Food Service. And so I went that route. And So, so Valley Farm <clears throat> Foods, which is out of Toledo, and you're their southern rep. And mm-hmm. then when Gordon Food Service buys them out, you stay on. When was that? 80s? Sometime in the 80s? Yeah, late 80s. Okay. All right. Yeah, mid-80s probably. And then you, you, I mean, you retired from Gordon Food right. Service, right? In 2011. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 30, 34, 30-some 30, 30 yeah. years. When Deb and I got married, it was September 11th. Okay. And, uh. 76 and unbeknownst at that time uh, we didn't know that how significant that date was going yeah to be. right so every time we have our anniversary it's on 9 11 or 7 uh, yeah. well at least you can't forget it now no no that's a sorry way to have <laughs> it to is it, yeah yep but it's it's a it's a, a tough day for us on that aspect but it, it's a it's a we feel blessed that we met each other and yeah we are when did you guys buy buy the house down here? How long have you guys always? Nineteen eighty-five, I think. In okay. January eighty-four, eighty-five. All right. Before yeah. that, when you first moved back here to Upper, where were you living? Where were, were you living then? Well, we lived on. Uh, we lived on the new apartments out behind the fairgrounds for not quite a year, and then we bought a, a house on Eight Street next to where Forrest and Ruth Bacon lived. Oh, okay. okay. And we lived there for numerous to the years. north. That one just to the north of them, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we end up buying this house in in eighty uh, five, I think it was. It was the same time Gordon's bought out uh, 
Valley Farm Foods. Okay. No, no stress in your life at no, that time. No, yeah. New job. <laughs> new, yeah. Yeah. Ho- new house and a new job. Hopefully you get to keep your job. job, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, so then, okay. By 85, then you've got, so two, you know, Brian, and I know Ryan and Todd, but so you have two sons, yeah. uh, Todd, who was born 77, yep. uh, is probably 44 now, I would yep. guess. And yep. then, uh, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, in 80. born in 80. Okay. Right. So Ryan's 42. Yeah. That makes sense. And Ryan's in Colorado still. Yeah. In Dillon, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Dillon. Works yeah. is a is a is a fire firefighter. Yeah, he, yeah, he graduated in finance from Ohio State. And <laughs> money, he, money well spent. Now That's he's right. a firefighter. <laughs> he went out went out to uh, Colorado and and uh, I told both boys when they were uh, in high school. I said, "Well, you know, when you get out of high school and you get through uh, your college education, I said, there's two routes uh, you can go. You can either." Go to where you want to live and find the best job available, or you can find the best job available, and it may end up taking you yes, any place. Go where yeah, it takes advice. you. Good advice. Yeah. So uh, Todd, Todd took the the best job available, and Ryan <laughs> went to where he wanted to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he Holland's Just he's basically Breckenridge. That's the general yeah, the greater he, Breckenridge Breck area. And, uh, um, Keystone. He he All lives those. within. Uh, three or f- about five minutes from Keystone and about 10 minutes from uh, Brecken. Okay. And about 15, 20 minutes from uh, A Basin or Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, you know, again, don't, we don't need to. That's all it is. Two ski horns, snow, but uh, ski snowboards and, and, and then fights yeah, forest yeah. fires. So, no, so, not so a bad. So that's where his finance degree. <laughs> well, he originally went in as a financial analyst, said he didn't like doing that. And he got into. Uh, while he was doing there, he was a volunteer uh, 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 rescuer for Avalanche and this. And he thought, ah, that's what direction he wanted to go. So Yeah. And then he and Jessica, they have Olivia. Yeah. Eight nine. Old. She's eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew she was just around Georgia, but I thought, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Is she in third grade, do you know? Yeah. Third or fourth. Okay. Yeah. So she is just right at Georgia's yeah. age. Uh, she's a cutie. She's yeah. Spitfire. Uh, yeah, good she kid. Is. She's like her dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jessica's a great, Jessica's great too. Yeah. So then Todd and Lori, uh, yeah. is Lori from California? Uh, where is she from? Yeah. Arizona? Did she go to Arizona? She, she that's where she went to college. She went yeah. to college in Arizona, but I think she's, she's in from, the hall of fame there at the yeah. University of Arizona. Yeah. yeah. And swimming. Yeah. No, no one ever questioned whether the kids, the grandkids no, got swim. their swimming from yeah. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Todd can swim. <laughs> I mean, they all do well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maddie's in, at, uh, uh, Blacksburg, uh, at Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech. Tech and, and Kylie's been accepted to, uh, uh Alabama and she'll start there wow. in, in June. Right after she graduates. But both full ride scholarships for swimming, right? Wow. And And how old's Tyler? Tyler's a freshman this year. Oh, okay. uh, High school, and 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 he's he's swimming varsity, and he's in a state, Texas state meet this. uh, Right now. Next weekend. Okay. Oh, cool. Does he still (laughs) like to fish? Yes. Does he? Yeah, he still likes to fish. I, I remember yes. you talking about that when he was, when yeah. he, he must have been real little. Um, actually, when, when Michelle and I got married, uh, that was when they came back that weekend. So we got married on Saturday, and I believe it was the next day was his baptism. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So we went right from our wedding to his baptism. And okay. They did it all in one, one fell visit. swoop. Yeah. One fell swoop, yep. So, they had a great wedding. 
Todd and Lori's wedding. Oh yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That was a cool. That was a cool wedding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, awesome. Lori, Lori's a great girl too, and and if she's listening, and I hope she is, I, I want her to know that we all would love to see her back here sometime soon. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they're awesome. They're Lori. They've been super fun. Uh, last time we were in Jamaica, we Todd. They had maybe wanted to make it, and we were like. We're probably Todd lawyer probably going to cruise up here on a yacht and be like, I'm still not, I'm still not a hundred percent sure they're not going to be there next week when we, when we get there. But Brian and I are going to Jamaica next week. Yeah. We're taking the podcast on the road. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you, I think the, uh, or the ACC championships next week in, in, uh, Chapel Hill. Yeah. Like Duke. Uh, yeah. Uh, Maddie isn't going to be able to swim in that. She had uh, got COVID, and she oh. has ah. just been cleared to to uh, practice again. And she, and there's no way she swims. Her her specialty is the uh, mile, and there's no <laughs> way after being off since the holiday, uh, Christmas is when she got it. And I don't know uh, if I can see a mile. And just getting back in the shape <laughs> to no swim a mile is yeah. yeah. I can't. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine it. <laughs> You don't get to quit swimming for like a week and a half, even. No, yeah, there's that's a different level. Good for them, man. That's fantastic. I mean, that's you know, yeah. uh, Again, if Todd and Lawyer listen, we're super proud that you know those girls and Tyler. I'm sure is going to be the same way. So that's pretty cool. Works. Yeah. And so Todd's still with McDonald's, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How many stores they have going on down there? I don't know. I think a few. I think they got seven. Yeah, a few McDonald's are there. Yeah, it sounds like if I remember right, he traded like four for six, and then they build another one. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Yeah, man. So grandkids, and you know, that's and you get to see them because you have you and Deb go to Texas for part of the year, and you mm-hmm. go to yeah out to Colorado for part of the year. Yep. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. And they came home for this. They both they did. Boys came home. Yeah. And- I, I was uh, nice that they both made the trip home. Yeah, and it was uh, good to see him. And- John just uh, he just by what he means by this, um, John's in the Ohio Military Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and he you know doesn't like talk about that and, and brag obviously, but uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean you're a war hero, I, and I don't I don't want to just throw that out. I mean, that far. well, well, I think you were <laughs> along with thousands of other people. There's, it's not yes. like you did something uh-huh. no one else did, but uh-huh. you were doing something that uh, a select group of people did. That you know, like I said earlier, you know, our, our kids are. We don't want to make them walk in the rain, and what you guys were doing. You know, you know, how, how do I land this helicopter in this tree? You well, know, like, it's just amazing. But you know, that on this Ohio military hall of fame for valor, one of the individuals I, I was inducted with was a Navy seal and he was awarded the medal of honor. And you talk about a, a privilege to be up on the stage with that gentleman. Oh it was, yeah. It was, uh, it, it was very moving for me I bet. to be next and be up there at the same time. Yeah. Me. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. So you won the distinguished flying cross. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Which basically means you flew a, a certain amount of missions. Those are distinguished flying crosses is, a, is a, a, the highest award you can get in, in uh, aviation flying. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. other one's uh, air medals. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, John, and, so you, and you have twenty-eight of those. 
So, I, and I, I'll read through that in the intro. You, uh, you may not consider yourself a hero, but I bet there's about a thousand people out there who are pretty glad that that you, you were did there. the things you did. Well, you know, it, it makes you wonder. You you pull guys out, you you hear them bad things happening on the radios when you're going in to get them, but you pull them out. They're hugging you, kissing your helmet and everything. And, and you're happy for them, but they're more happy for you. But the thing is, you, you think during life cycles and everything else, where some of those guys are today, because yeah. if you hadn't gotten them out of there, you know, they wouldn't have gotten and you out. wonder where that, that took them. Yeah. Or their families, their you know, and those guys as individuals. And and every one of those stories is amazing. You know, I mean, just every one of those, like you know, somebody now has grandkids and yeah. is hanging out watching but, watching the Bachelor tonight, <laughs> whatever they're doing. But you know, uh, on, on that heroes uh, stuff, everybody was trying to take care of each other. Yep. And. You know, different conditions, different things happen. But you didn't go in thinking that. You just wanted to help. You wanted to come home, and you wanted everybody around you to come home. And that's that's the way you worked on that team and back to that brotherhood and camaraderie. Yeah, you had a job. You just had a job to do, and yep. you did it. Yeah, and your and your job was. And you always wanted to do helping your what your fellow you man. Somebody, what you would want somebody to do for you. You wanted. To, yeah, and you just as long as you thought that way, and, and, yeah, uh, that's what made it's, it's, real heroes. It's the procedure oh, for sure. It, you know, you just do what is the right thing to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. John, we've man, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I know you. You were reluctant about doing it because you're a humble, we, good been, guy, and and but we've been threatening to but, get you on the radio Brian here for a couple I, months. Yeah, Brian and I knew, and and trust me. It, right this is a fantastic you you've you've at least lived a, a good life man and I, there's oh, yeah. a lot of people that don't you've you've lived a great life and and we're proud to know you and and glad that you yeah. came on man and, well, and, and thank you and I, you two guys are outstanding outstanding citizens outstanding <laughs> sure we'll take it we'll and take it <laughs> and, and, you know and i feel like you were saying i feel so blessed uh, you know i have a wonderful wife and sons and, and daughter-in-laws and, and grandkids and friends like you guys yeah i mean what, what else can you i know what else it's, it's what it's about john you, you've always treated graham and i very fairly and I, we've respected you because of that i've had a so, lot of respect for you for yeah. ever since i've known you it's just always you you and Ruby were all it's always nice and cool. You guys are always doing fun stuff. That same cool. that same personality that you had in, in combat where you were just trying to look out for your fellow man, you've carried back to Upper Sandusky and you've lived that your your entire life. You've always looked out for us, you've always looked out for your kids, you've looked out for your kids' friends. I mean and, and don't think we haven't noticed. So oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you had a knight named after you. Croc Knight. <laughs> yeah. Croc Knight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. On that, we'll end it. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. And, John, thanks again. We appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Uh, okay. So, Brian and I are back. Uh, we had a moment to digest all of this, and we just wanted to just real quick run back through some of the stuff we just talked about. 
uh, with John. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was incredible. <sighs> yeah. So John, so, you know, John's a, an upper Sadusky kid. He comes from a family that, you know, lived Hardin County and all over there born in 1945. Could you, man, fresh out of the fresh out of world war two and uh, come uh, home. And what do you do? Basically the first of the baby boomers. Yeah. Right? I the, mean, yeah. The, the leading edge of the baby boomer yeah, generation for sure. Right. Uh, his dad, we, you know, we didn't get too far into it, but his dad was a member, um, of the 84th rail splitter division, the rail splitters. Yep. Which helped free some Nazi concentration camps, Jewish yeah. concentration camps. They also traced their lineage back to Abraham Lincoln's regiment as a, a militia in Illinois. And that's how they, the, their insignia. And I, I think I have this right. So please don't like yell at me if it's wrong. But Come on, Brian. Their patch is essentially an axe chopping through a log and splitting it in half. That is 100% correct. That's yes. how they became the rail splitters. And it's a great patch. Like if yeah. you're listening and you're a rail splitter or know somebody that's a rail splitter, Great patch. Great insignia. Okay. Just while you're saying, I looked it up. The 84th Infantry Division derives its nickname, Rail Splitter Division, from the divisional insignia, an axe splitting a rail. Yeah. This design was created during World War I when the division was known as the Lincoln Division to represent the states that supplied soldiers to the division. Yeah. Illinois, Indiana, and Kentucky all figured prominently in the life of Abraham Lincoln of log splitting legend. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, and that was John's dad. That, that was John's dad. And yeah. then his mom, Donna, uh, who is a Shambal. 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 Yeah. Uh, but her mom was a Schoenberger right. and from the Schoenbergers that came here in the 1840s. Yeah. Some, Some of the, the first. first settlers in Wyandotte County. Right. Uh, they're both actually, um, John's mom and dad, James and Deborah, are buried at Schoenberger Cemetery. cemetery. Yeah, so there where is Schoenberger Cemetery? Out by Kirby. I I wondered if it was off thirty, maybe or yep. one of those. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah. So anyway, then you told that uh, his nickname Croc. Yeah. Uh, which I knew that story, but I I I wasn't sure that it was Denny Croc that that was Croc. Yeah. Uh, but it was, and that was cool. Danny Crock was a great guy. He was. Jordan he was and I janitor you know, at the high school for a long time. Yeah, and, did tons yeah. of charity work at Star Theater yeah. and things like that. So great guy. And then he, I, I actually had the pleasure of hearing that story before coming into this uh, one night while consuming beverages with some other guys. Like it yeah, was, yeah. it was a great story. Yeah, yeah. Some stone crossing. Uh, <laughs> some stone well, crossing. I was going to say that, but might have been but Carl's. I, even I, you know, I used to work at. I worked at Stone Crossing when I first came back to Upper after, you know, when I first got my job in Upper, I only worked half time. And at night I waited tables at Stone Crossing. And that's where I really, I always knew John through Todd and Ryan, but he was Todd and Ryan's dad. And then I knew him as like a, a client a customer. and kind of, we, I, you know, I drank oh, with a friend. Him. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he became a friend. Cause he's just such a good, yeah, he's just yeah. such a good dude. And then, uh, with the Robbie Lee story, where was the, where were they? So they were at Philmont. Uh, Boy Scout camp, which is uh, in New Mexico. It's a Boy Scout camp that was donated to the Boy Scouts of America by the Phillips family, uh, okay. like Phillips Conoco oil baron kind of Phillips. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a big, they still have scouts go there every year. It's a, it's like a 
wilderness area that you go and camp and you do primitive camping and hiking and yeah yeah it's a big deal yeah so robbie was two years younger than croc robbie I did is a two years fact younger yep. ser- fact search on and that. a little a little bigger than he was once he went to college yeah so then we uh then we went to bowling green and you know i i you know we learned stuff i didn't know we there didn't. would bring a branch of bowling green and Fostoria. maybe there still is i didn't uh that's do the first, any time, first time i've ever heard that. of that yeah. i'm not interested <laughs> To be quite honest, in the, the that branch, I, I, guess, I like, was actually can't more. You just drive to Bowling Green. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> well, think think of it this way, and this is something that he said later on that it that it really clicked in my head. He was doing that in a 1955 Chevy. I know. So so this wasn't, and and they weren't built for reliability. No. <laughs> so and long, it, you know, long drives. Yeah, that that's a uh, heck of a commute in a in a Civic today. I mean, he was doing it in a 55 Chevy with no air conditioning, probably. You know what so. though? I bet in 1973. Cruising up to Fostoria. This would have been 1965 or 65. Yeah, Yeah. I bet cruising up to Fostoria in your 55 Chevy wasn't too bad. Oh, I'm sure it was great. (laughs) Stop and carry at the point. Yeah, holler at the ladies. Uh, (laughs) So then he's off to pilot school. And man, if if everybody watching could have seen like him when he talked about learning to fly the way that he was sitting in the chair, even he went back in the cockpit for a second. He did. It was awesome. Just to watch him do it. It was so cool. And, and and you can tell he still could do it. I feel like he could get in a plane. Uh, We can fly one better than I could in first try. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, you know, something I, I wanted to mention, I didn't get to it was he's now our second helicopter pilot that we've had on the show. Yeah. Cause Andy was a helicopter pilot also, wasn't he? Yeah. And, uh, and what it reminded me of was Andy talking about his guy that trained him (laughs) and how there's, there's a level that that guy was at that because I didn't, because he'd seen combat, combat. I, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, uh, Andy talked about how he, he could rotate down the line. Yeah. And I, I was picturing Croc, obviously could probably have done. Oh yeah. That's exact. <laughs> that is exactly, you know, Andy, when he was talking about his trainer, that's exactly the kind of guy Croc had, you know, and, and, and they do that because they want you to be ready for day one. Like there's no learning oh, curve yeah. when you're no. getting shot Jeez. at. Yeah. So then they, oh my gosh, how about his story? How he ends up in being dropped off in play coup. <laughs> Wait, they take him in in a C-130 and kick him out the back door and tell him tuck and roll? Yeah. Thanks, man. Oh, my God. You know what? I mean, I'm seriously like, he's telling the story. I'm like, oh, my God. This is like a movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, I picture CCR playing in the background. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dear-ding. Yeah, <laughs> Buffalo Springfield, something. Yeah, yeah, and there he is in a, in a grass. Cargo plane. In a grass field uh, in Vietnam at, in the middle of the night. He said... Uh, they, you couldn't see anything except that the, the explosions. You just, when there was an explosion, Tracers. you could see stuff. Could, could you imagine, you know, sitting on a, a cargo plane, a C-130, and some guy looks at you and says, hey, we're going to slow down and open the back door and kick you out. You oh just tuck and roll. Like, how do you, how do you what, even process that? Feet, or maybe they do land. They oh, probably landed, They right? probably touch down. They yeah. touch down, and then they just take right but back But there's off. no stopping. Yeah. Yeah. Ten mile was, an hour. That was a great. That was this. That's that's fantastic. And then uh, what? So it was. He was seven miles from Pleiku. Uh, I think he said Pleiku City was about seven miles yep. away. Right? Camp uh, Anari. Camp Anari. Uh, it, and it was uh, named after. Hold on. Where is that? Uh, it was named oh, after yeah. Mark Anari, the first Fourth Infantry Division member awarded the Civil Star or Silver Star posthumously in Vietnam. 
who was killed in December of 66. And I looked this up. So um, that fourth division was stationed there essentially from 66 to 70. Yeah. So there was a month there there. where in the middle where they weren't for some reason. And probably because the, you know, something bad was happening there or they had, they needed everybody somewhere else for a really short time or something. Realistically, it could have been just because of, uh, um, and then the Tet offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Tet offensive. Yeah. So, um, then he, you know, he, taught, he had his, uh, what, what's his little silk paper called, Brian? You remember it's the called name a of blood that? chit. A blood uh, chit. C-H-I-T as in Tom. And uh, that thing is super cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put a picture of it on our Facebook page or on the web and on the website. And and after I, because I, I actually looked it up and I kept looking up chip. I kept thinking he, the word was chip. But after, when you look it up and look it up and chit comes out, then you yeah. Chit is a word in the military. Like military people will understand the chit system. I'm sure it means something. Uh, it's just a, it's a term kind of. <laughs> so, yeah. So Jordan just looked at me like, yeah, it words means usually do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. So then he's in Vietnam and just all, just everything. Well, I mean, I was so, it was so cool that he told us those stories, just yeah. everything he talked about, about everything that was happening. So uh, let's take a minute. Let's do it. Let's read. Yeah. So he, he's, He's he's one like this. Uh, he's in the military hall of fame. Yeah, he's in the Ohio military hall of fame. And yep. you know he's won these awards. And and for every twenty five flights, you get the the flying cross. And and listen, this isn't a guy who touts that fame or fortune or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> he's a very humble man who doesn't really even want to discuss like he, he's proud of what he did obviously but he's not and, putting it in anybody's face and just to be clear john did give us he he was like yeah you can read these like he yeah. he these are public information um but he was awarded the the air medal and then for every 25 flights after you've been awarded the silver star you get yeah. uh, what was it called brian you remember uh you get the oak leaf the oak leaf yeah and he had, and you get one of those for every, so you get one star and then essentially you can add oak leaves to the star. And he added 28 oak leaves for a total of about 700 yeah. sorties. 28 times 25 is 700. Yeah. So he flew 700 missions in Vietnam. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about him in Com- combat missions, combat missions. <laughs> yeah. Not, taking not just flying somebody into, uh, like get resources or whatever like he was taking yeah like you said taking fire real deal yeah Yeah, and he told us some stories you know afterwards and before we talked to you know croc was here for three hours you know four hours we talked a lot off off the record and he told us some really cool just you know he talked about he talked about and this is something that that didn't really hit me at the time but basically flying the helicopter sideways uh, back to base. Yep. To, because the fire was coming from the sides. Yeah. And that way they were a smaller target. But as they flew. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Keeping keeping metal between you and the guy firing at you. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So okay. So yeah. anyway. So he's won a bunch of these, and and a few of them we have the public record report of what he won these medals for, and there's three of them. Uh, but we're just gonna read one, uh, and we'll let everybody. The other two uh, will be for us to know for now and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and we'll leave them private. But this one, uh, I actually, Jordan's going to read. So you yeah. ready, babe? Yeah, there's some big words in here. So Brian and Graham <laughs> yeah, are letting you, me. like the and and. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty for, good example. It, it, so this is like a typed, uh, you know, 
classic. Oh, yeah. This is a piece of paper that had a typewriter it's that a was report. rolled up in it, a typewriter. It's an official military yeah. report, like yeah. career font. And uh, <laughs> and it's Jordan's going to read it. April 5th, 1969 is when it was written. From the Department of the Army, headquarters of the 4th Infantry Division in San Francisco. It's the award of the Distinguished Flying Cross. TC-320, the following award is announced. John E. Grafmiller, Chief Warrant Officer of the United States Army, Company A, 4th Aviation Battalion, 4th Infantry Division, uh, awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross, his first oak leaf cluster. The date of the action was from the 27th of February, 1969, and the theater was the Republic of Vietnam. And here is the reason. For heroism while participating in aerial flight, evidenced by voluntary action above and beyond the call of duty in the Republic of Vietnam, Warrant Officer Graf Miller distinguished himself while serving as an aircraft commander with Company A, 4th Aviation Battalion, 4th Infantry Division. On the 27th of February, 1969, Chief Warrant Officer Graf Miller was assigned the mission of extracting a long-range reconnaissance patrol that had made contact with a numerically superior enemy force. En route to the patrol's location, Warrant Officer Graf Miller noticed his aircraft's oil pressure was dropping to a dangerously low level. Informing his base, Warrant Officer Graf Miller was ordered to return, but realizing the perilous situation of the patrol, he decided to continue his mission. Despite continued enemy fire, Warrant Officer Graf Miller landed, and although his aircraft took several hits, remained on the ground until the patrol was safely aboard. Then he skillfully guided the aircraft to the safety of his base. Chief Warrant Officer Graf Miller's courageous acts, professional skill, and exemplary devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. By direction of the President, under the Provisions Act of Congress, approved the 2nd of July, 1926. So there you go. I don't think we need to say anything else about that event, right? There's the military report. Yeah, yeah, we, we've we've hold, held in our hands the yeah. uh, you know, the I've report, got, and it's the same report that uh, Jim Jordan re, uh, presented to Congress here a few years. I back. have that in my hands right now. The proceedings and debates on the 115th Congress, the first session, the Honorable Jim Jordan in the House of Representatives, uh, honoring the 2018 Ohio Military Hall of Fame inductees, and then it's got down here Chief Warrant Officer Second Class Johnny Graf Miller of Upper Sandusky, recipient of the Distinguished Flying Cross. Yeah, so it's part Army of the congressional veteran. record. There you go. Uh, so the flying cross, um, it's the, the, I'll read you. I'll just read this. So I, you know, do you know who the first flying cross recipient was? Yeah, I was going to go into that. I don't know who the first one was. Oh, it's the father of modern day airlines or air, air flight, uh, Charles Lindbergh. Oh geez. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So he's in good company. Yeah. Uh, he's in there with Charles Lindbergh, John Glenn. Uh, Dad, was George, a flying cross. George H.W. Bush. Yeah. John McCain. Amelia Earhart, Wilbur and Orville Wright, who they didn't even have an Air Force back then, but they were later they, granted hey, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chuck Yeager, Clark Gable, Gene Roddenberry. There's some big names for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it's, it's good company to be in. It's just, uh, just super cool. Uh, yeah. And and really cool that he he helped tell that story. So he flew uh he flew a Bell UH one Iroquois. The Huey. The Huey. Yeah, better known as the Huey. Uh which is you know and i i i think you'd say it's like it's the symbol of vietnam you know i think oh, when, yeah. when you if you see a movie and and you don't know what era it's set in and you see a huey helicopter landing in a grassy field where are you yeah vietnam right. you're in the central highlands of vietnam which is exactly like when i watch when i go back and <laughs> watch forrest gump 
I, I'm going to be picturing uh, John Grafmiller flying in that Huey, dropping, dropping him in there, dropping him in there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And the Huey's cool. I, I read a little history on the Huey, which was actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Not that old of a helicopter by that time. No, it was invented no, it's in fairly 56. New. Yeah. yeah. And then a bunch of helicopters, there were cool helicopters used in Vietnam. Oh, there was a bunch. Well, over 22 or the, tw- the helicopter became Vietnam. Like, you know, John kind of alluded to that a couple times. That, that, yeah, it was a helicopter war. Yeah. Uh, that was the only way to get in and out of the, the bush. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, I mean, that, you know, we, we, we could talk. I mean, I literally, I could read all these reports and read all this stuff to you. But so, <laughs> so then he comes home one day and one day he goes into Cambodia and that basically next morning. He's have steak and eggs. He's in Seattle. Steak and eggs in Seattle. And then he's back home and he meets uh, Ruby. And I hope, you know, Ruby listens to this and uh, enjoys these stories as well. Cause she's a great, great, great person has always been super awesome. Uh, and I like their story about she's cool. Well, she's classy. She says no twice. But on the third time she needs a drink and uh, okay, you can buy me a drink. Let's see. She wasn't going to go without a drink. Yeah. We'll see where this goes. She's going to make sure that John yeah. earned it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then you know all the stuff. Uh, I I knew John again from Stone Crossing. Uh, I had never known really what John did for a living, but then realized that oh, oh, you didn't? okay, no, like when we okay. were in high school or something. I didn't know. I just knew. You know. I I knew early on because he was a uh, his son Todd was on my midget league football team, ah. and like John always had a connection to food, and I never really understood it. But my dad, I remember my dad telling me then, oh yeah, he's a he's a food distribution guy. Yeah. So. He's yeah. a heck of a cook too. He does. Uh, yeah. uh, that was one thing I wanted to ask him about and I forgot about. He, yeah. he cooks. I see him grilling all summer yeah. and he, he's on the grill most nights. And Todd says his uh, love of cooking comes from Todd's grandma, like John's mom. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's me too. Yeah. I love to cook and I, uh, the things I cook, I learn from my mom. Like yeah, I, right. I definitely use my mother's techniques when I cook. Yeah. I, I don't use my dad's because they were barbaric <laughs> no <laughs> i was yeah i was th- trying to think of a good way to say Throw caveman, don't but grill. yeah uh <laughs> rudimentary i think is yeah. how i would describe them instead but uh, all right so yeah so i mean i think we you know i, I just what a great i, I loved this episode um yeah our, this was fun it kind really of was. our i you know not that i need to always interview army vets but when and john like when he came in first thing he said to me and i've said this already but the first thing he said to me was i don't know what we're going to talk about and i said yeah nothing and we could talk about anything and he goes i'm pretty boring compared to the other people i said i don't think you will be john yeah you know and uh, he also came in and and made it pretty clear to us that there were some things that he didn't want to talk about yeah that was fine yeah Uh, he laid it out right away like um, he didn't want to talk about people dying and he didn't want to talk about anything like that and i and i get it so yeah fantastic all right well brian i think we've we've pretty much close this one out we good to go i think so all right hey everyone thanks for listening brian and i are humbled to get to do this and um we hope you know you guys keep listening tell your friends make sure you hit that subscribe button so all right for now man it's, it's been real brian it's been real